Welcome to Shining Bright, the Farm Her radio show all about women doing great things. Women who are making the ordinary extraordinary. Women following their passion, taking action, and making a difference for themselves and others. Join me, Margie, as your host on Shining Bright by Farm Her. Welcome to Shining Bright. Erin and I are here in the studio and we've got a episode lined up about food and hunger and some people who are doing some cool things. Some gardens. Yeah, gardens. Yeah, so uh, we had the opportunity. We've got some friends at Nationwide. They're they're kind of in our backyard here, right in central Iowa. And so um, we, we talked to them a lot and like somewhere in a conversation, someone threw out, Hey, we've got this thing called this giving garden. And, yeah. and they have some employees who felt, um, compelled to start a program where they grow food mm-hmm. on a rooftop, downtown Des Moines, <laughs> downtown Des Moines. Yeah. And it, it was a big process, a long process. They're going to talk about that to, to get this approved because like a corporation, this is, this is not like the things that they normally not a do. Standard thing that they're, they're doing, but it, they were, they were very compelled and it, it's kind of a neat story. It is a neat story. And uh, it was fun to get to go there and visit it. We'll put some video up on our um, social media so you can see firsthand. Um, I, I didn't even know what to expect. So it's raised garden beds. Like yep. I have one in my backyard. They have a bunch more there. Uh-huh. And the the pounds of food that they pull out of that are pretty impressive. Pretty impressive. Yeah. yeah. And um, there just so happens to be a homeless shelter uh, that is constantly in need of food, like right next door. Yeah. And, so, and yeah, I don't think everybody would say, oh, nationwide and think, wow, look, I mean, it's neat to know what they're doing yeah. behind the scenes and some pretty great give back. Yeah. And and I know a lot of the, the companies and organizations that we talk to have things like this kind of behind the yeah. scenes. And I, I think it's important, important to highlight them. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So they're, they're growing food, they're giving that food away, but their employees get to dig their hands in the dirt a little bit, maybe like it, a stressful part of the day. Yes. You know, sounds which, like a great option to yeah. exit your cube and yeah. go on the rooftops yeah. and garden for a while. I agree. I agree. So that's, that's what they do. We're going to talk more with them about that. I think it's a neat program. So here's something that gets me a lot, Aaron. I, and I think about this a lot and it, it kind of wears on me and, and mm-hmm. I'm something I'm digging at. I'm not sure where we're going to go with it or what we're going to do. But um, a few years ago, at the Iowa State Fair, a young woman approached me and she started talking to me about hunger in rural America. And instead of going into agriculture, she became a dietitian mm-hmm. um, through her college years. And um, because she saw people in her very small rural community struggling with hunger. And um, so that made an impact on her. And I, I believe her story was something like this, this kid stole a banana or something, you know, something right. very basic and and like, it's not the fact that he stole it. It's the fact that he, he needed he it. He needed you it. Know? He was hungry. Yeah. And um, so these are, these are real things. And so in trying to find some um, research about this, it's kind of interesting through Feeding America on their website, I saw 2.4 million rural households face rural hunger, yeah. uh, hunger in rural America. In and, rural America. Yeah. And I think the, the thing about this that, intrigues me is um, the issue is not that there are that many households. Yes, that's an issue. But but for those households to be able to um, access help is right. not is not a reality, right? right. Like a food bank is probably not it's right not around the corner. It's not going to be around the corner. Right. Yeah, it's, right. it's a different scenario for there, them. Yeah, yeah, there may not be a shelter. There might be a church in their town if they're lucky. But as we all know, yeah. uh, rural communities... Be very uh, de- desolate. desolate. Yeah, yeah. They're, they're separated. And, and I've been in parts of the country where you might drive 30 minutes yeah. before you get to another, another and, town. And we, we forget that, even though we... You know, yeah. if you live on the outskirts of an urban area, you're still in a different situation than some of these rural families are. Right, right. So it's like food desert to the max yeah. in an area where they're growing the food for our country, but yet, but yet like that's not accessible yeah. to uh, people who live there. And, and I think it's um, it's it's a problem and it's real. Three quarters of the counties with the highest rates of food insecurity are in rural areas. And I didn't know that. I mean, that like sitting here, you said you're going to share some numbers. Yeah, that that does shock me. I guess I haven't thought about it. So it's important for us to to recognize that. Yeah. Across our country, three fourths of those counties that have the highest rates of hunger are not in cities. Three fourths. Just blows my mind. Yeah. 86% of the counties with the highest rates of child 
food insecurity are rural. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, these things bother me. These are the Mm -hmm. things that I worry about at at night. night. These are the people that I have the pleasure of spending my time around in rural Mm -hmm. communities. Um, But here's, here's my challenge to all of you. We're, we're going to talk about um, some women who are growing a lot of rice in Arkansas. We're going to talk to the nationwide people about their giving garden. What is it you can do in your community? And it doesn't have to be anything big, but like, what is what is the one little thing that you could do to maybe elevate the situation, uh, you know, raise awareness, yep. help out a little bit? I guarantee there's something. We all sure. can do something yep. and it might be something teeny tiny. Right. But still makes makes a difference. Makes a difference. So what is it you can do to reach out to someone in your community who might be struggling with hunger? Stick with us here on Shining Bright. We'll be right back. Hey guys, this is Margie from Farm Her. I want to remind you all that we have some really fun, functional, cute merchandise out on our store at farmher.com. And fall has arrived in the Farm Her market. We've got some new sweatshirts, hoodies, one of my favorite windbreakers out there. So check it out at farmher.com. And while you're there, be sure to use the code SHININGBRIGHT and save 10% just for our listeners. So we are on a rooftop in the middle of downtown Des Moines here for Shining Bright. And I've got a couple people who are here who are instrumental in the giving garden here at Nationwide. So welcome. Can you introduce yourselves? Yeah, I'm Kenzie. I'm a farm underwriter here at Nationwide. Uh, John Holub, commercial underwriter at Nationwide. Okay. So um, I've been hearing a little bit about this giving garden, and I think it's such a cool thing from so many aspects. I mean, you guys are able to get employees out here to do the work. Is this all a volunteer-led project? Yep, it is. It is. So can you tell me a little bit about how it started? Uh, So it's pretty much a a project team that came up with the idea um, in 2015 and then kind of went through, you know, how to get it set up in 2016, and then we implemented it in 2017. That was our first year. Was it difficult to get um, support throughout the organization? Because I, I would imagine it is because, you know, like it's one thing to say, let's put it out here, but this is something that has to be taken care of on a very regular basis. So um, how, how was it to get that support in the beginning? Yeah, logistics wise, we're very thankful that senior leaders were on board with it. Uh, and then for volunteers, we have about 20 people uh, throughout the uh, work week that come out and uh, volunteer out here. Okay, so logistically, how do you manage those volunteers? Do they sign up? And what if they don't show up? Or do they always show up because they love it? They always show up for the most part. Otherwise, they'll just shoot us an email uh, if they can't make their time. And we have committees that uh, kind of wrangle the volunteers up and support them throughout their time. Um, So uh, take me through a season here. When do you start with the Giving Garden out here? I think that there are, what did I say, eight uh, big raised garden beds out here. Um, so t- take me through the season, John. Uh, so around Earth Day is when we actually plant it. That's oh. kind of like our, we have a committee that's kind of uh, about green, going green. So um, they kind of kick it off and that's usually when we uh, kick off and start. But, you know, there takes planning pretty much year round to get things set up and everything. And who decides what to plant? Uh, usually that falls on my shoulders, but uh, I let the committee kind of know like, hey, what we're kind of thinking. Um, you know, the first year we're kind of staying more uh, like traditional and then we're kind of branching out a little bit more as we get a little bit more experience. Yeah, yeah. I see some um, pretty standard garden types of things up here. You know, you've got cucumbers, you've got plenty of tomatoes, and there's some peppers, I think, and zucchinis. Those are all things that, you know, I say standard because I feel like I can pull that off at home without, you know, making too big of a situation out of it. So um, so has it grown over the years? Yep. So in 2017, we started off with four beds, and we donated around like 57 pounds in produce. Um, and then in 2018, we grew the garden to eight beds, what we have today. Um, and we had around 250 pounds donated. Um, and then this year, again, with our eight beds, we're at 130 and, and still going. I love it. So was it from the beginning that um, the produce was going to be donated? Is it, Was that the plan from the start? Correct. Yep. Uh, so 
Um, for those of you who aren't standing here with us, like I said, we're on the top of a parking garage. We're out here on the south side of downtown Des Moines, and just a few doors down is a shelter. And so the food can be delivered super fresh. Like it just shows up there, right? And so is that part of the volunteers' role too, to get that food over to the shelter? Yep, and our committee as well. Yep. We initially uh, were, had another party that we were donating it to, but then they were we'd have to hand it off to them then they would have to hand it off to the organizations that needed it so now we just go directly to them to make it an easier process yeah like your neighbors are right there they need it let's get it to them so are employees able to take any of the produce home for themselves or is it all donated yep, it's 100% donated okay I love that um, one of the things you know that has bubbled up into my world recently is is like um, some of the good that comes out of participating in something like this whether it's at work or um, you know I hear about school gardens and the value of anybody, um, but especially kids like learning how to grow food and see where it comes from and see that process. So um, can you tell me a little bit about your experience, like what you've learned, um, what you've enjoyed, you know, what, what you've gained by doing this? Yeah, I've definitely learned efficiency for just eight beds, how much we produce and taking that home to my own garden with crop rotations, or I was out here this spring learning how to thin radishes. It's uh, definitely hands-on experience more than you can get from a seed packet. Yeah. Does it make you want to go do your own more at home when you participate in this? Absolutely, yes. See, I, I love that. that. That's the thing, whether it's, uh, you know, we're adults here, but like even if you teach a kid about it, right, like they can take that home. They can uh, learn about it in maybe a different way. So it's such a cool thing. And and I know, like, from my personal experience, um, planting a garden with my kids this year, this is the first year that I felt like they were old enough to, like, actually help me and understand what's going on. And they, um, they love going out and harvesting. So uh, is there a favorite part of anybody here of, of what they like to do? I mean, there's always weeding, right? Though I can't imagine you have a ton of weeds up here. There is no trees around here. Yep, correct. There's really uh, minimal uh, weeding. It's just pretty much any seeds that were in the soil prior to um, or in kind of like our uh, compost that goes in. So yeah. minimal weeding. Yeah, minimal weeding, but hopefully maximum harvest, right? Like uh, you don't have too much waste here. It, it pretty much all gets harvested. Yeah. So is there anything that you want to share, John, about your experience in doing this? Obviously, uh, you are from a family that uh, has a lot of experience in horticulture and, and growing things. Um, what has your experience with this been? Uh, it's just been fun kind of being on the steering committee, per se, for it from the start. Um, and then, you know, in our third year, just to see uh, how it's grown, you know, how we've impacted others' lives and just giving volunteer opportunities to our associates that, you know, it's hard for them to actually get away from their desk usually. So to give them an on-site volunteer opportunity is, is huge for them. Yeah, I have to think back to my days where I spent more time at a desk or in a cubicle uh, under the fluorescent lights, right? And I, I do think aside from the food aspect, this is a pretty cool thing for employees to get to stand up, stretch your legs, go out, dig your fingers in the dirt a little bit. Like there, there's a lot of good value in that. Um, okay, so what's next for the Nationwide Giving Garden? Is there is there plans to expand? Like what's, what's going on next? Or is it just like, let's keep doing what we're doing? Uh, keep doing what we're doing. Uh, this fall, we'll start kind of planning out what we're going to plant for next year. So John will be a big part of that, of different varieties to pick out and uh, different things that we can grow. Any ideas yet what those different varieties are going to be? Uh, always trying something new. So, I mean, we kind of have the staples, and then we also try to, you know, work with the homeless shelter as well on what they need. So, you know, if those needs change, then we'll try to change our tactics as well. That's a good uh, point. Is there certain things that you see that they can use more of? Like I noticed there's a lot of tomatoes out here. Uh, there's a lot of cucumbers. Um, you know, is, is there certain things that there's more of a demand for? Uh, well, last year we grew uh, so many cucumbers and donated to them that they had to actually donate some to like other organizations. So uh, we kind of cut down on that a little bit this year and planting a few more tomatoes because, I mean, that's just something you can kind of grab rather than having to actually like cook or, you know, make a, a meal out of. Okay, so I need a little bit of help. I love, we've started making pickles in my household because I love pickles. And so this year I grew my own cucumbers, but they only survived for just like a little while. And then they like shriveled up and died. Like I feel like very quickly. Like I, I always hear people saying that they get all these cucumbers. Do you have any tips on what I can do to grow better cucumbers? Uh, just make sure you have good soil, uh, throw down some good fertilizer, and then just make sure you're uh, getting quality plants. 
I think I probably got quality plants. I'm not sure that I fertilized enough. And watering, you got to stay on top of the watering. That, that's the other thing I could say for myself that I was like, whoops, it's been a few days, you know, and it, and it does affect them. Awesome, you guys. Anything else you want to share with us about the giving garden or your experiences here? No. Well, thank you so much for being on Shining Bright today. I'm so glad to get up here on top of this uh, rooftop here in downtown Des Moines and finally check out what you guys have going on. back here on Shining Bright and we have taken it down south. We're talking to some women from the Ralston Family Farm. Welcome, ladies. Thank you. Thank Thanks you. for having us. Yeah, yeah. So um, let's see. I'm talking to Jennifer, Robin, and Ashley. Is that correct? Wonderful. Well, I would love it if each of you, uh, in whatever order you want, want to introduce yourselves to our audience. Okay. Well, why don't we do it by age? Sounds good. Sounds <laughs> so like a good way I'm, to do it. <laughs> yeah. So I'm Robin. I'm the mom. And uh, my husband and I started um, farming where we're at now back in 2000, uh, actually a little bit before that. And um, our role on this, well, our kids decided to all come back to the farm. And so we knew that we needed to add value to the farm. And that's when we decided to build a rice mill. So my job is I'm the uh, managing partner. It is a woman's owned and um, my job is to help kind of oversee and to manage. And in saying that, we all three have our very distinct jobs and um, areas that we do. So for that reason, we don't encroach on each other's responsibilities and it seems to work you know just really well yeah probably in the interest of like continuing family dinner right like this this matters to all have your uh, very distinct roles yeah so you're handing it off yeah 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 i'm handing it off to ashley okay i'm ashley and i do the online sales and our donation program i also work on our food safety and quality and make sure we're with all the rules and regulations, and uh, I've worked here for about three years. Well, I've, I've been a part of family for 30-something <laughs> years. <laughs> You're new to this, That's but not new to this? <laughs> yes, yeah, exactly. Um, and I'm Jennifer, um, Robin's daughter, and I handle the marketing and um, accounts and social media along with my sister-in-law, Brittany. Awesome. Okay, so you guys have like a true family family farm. So, Robin, you mentioned that you started farming where you are in 2000, but I'm guessing that your farm story started a lot before that. Well, it did. Um, my husband and I have been married for 38 years, and his family has always been in agriculture, always. And when we first got married, we bought a small farm, an 80-acre farm, and then we kind of grew from there and we also on the farm, um, besides row crop on soybeans and rice, we no longer do wheat because wheat and the gluten factor um, can cross contaminate with the rice, and so we don't we don't do wheat anymore. But we also have cattle, so it's it's just it's been an ongoing agriculture, and that's all we do. We don't have um, which is enough. <laughs> we don't have any offsite jobs. The farm and the mill is is our job, and. Actually, all of our children, we have a son, Matthew, who is 20, um, soon to be 25, 
and he is on the farm end of it, and the girls are on the mill end of it. And our son-in-law, Jennifer's husband, works at the mill as well as production manager, and we our oldest grandson, Hadley, Ashley's son, he works uh, part-time at the mill too. So we, we truly are a family farm. Yeah, I, I find this really interesting. So Aaron here is a part of a family farm too, and I think it's always one of the most unique things that um, – that that you can figure it out and right, right like and make it work and with that many layers of yes. family it's amazing yeah it's great yeah what's the yeah. what's the key on your end yeah I want to know the secret I mean yeah. you kind of said everybody <laughs> has their own <laughs> roles, roles and that's really important those are, those are good things to hear because I'm I'm sure yeah. that's part of yeah all of it it is it is um the girls Ashley and Jennifer had other occupations before they came here and. You know, growing up on the farm, so they had a deep appreciation of what it's like to grow up as a child on a farm, and they wanted to get back to those roots with their family. And Ashley um, is actually a teacher by trade, so some of the certifications that we have to go through, it's it's like she knows it because of, you know, writing curriculum and, and keeping up with the school process, so it's second nature to her. So she does a really great job, and we have some really tough certifications that we have to have to um, have every year and go through, and so she she does really well with that. And Jennifer, um, her degree is in interior design, and so she has a really great eye for um, you know for the visual, and so that comes into play with the social media. And she also does um, works with um, online with our uh, the people that we sell through. So you know that that helps because she also did sales. So that helps in, in her area as well. You have all the things yeah. you need built yeah. in. That's right. That's right. And our son, Matthew, has, that's all he's ever wanted to do was to farm. And, um, you know, he grew up in a tractor and it's, it's his second nature too. So, so, you know, we all, and I think respect is really a key thing to where we respect each other's talents and gifts and, um, for that reason, we just don't try to do each other's jobs. Yeah, that that's pretty important. I mean, you know, to I hear this a lot. Stay in your lane, right? Like, do do what's on your plate. Right. And I'm sure that. Uh, so my husband Tony produces the show, and he's sitting over here, um, looking at yeah. me right now. And I'm sure he's like, "Yeah, you need to stay in your lane more because <laughs> I'm always like, did we do this? Did we do Swer- this? Swerving and, and, into know, other people's legs. Yeah. And the funny thing is, I'm like, it's not that I'm questioning no. if you did it. It's that it's in my brain and I need to get and it they out. want to get it out. So maybe we need a better yeah. communication system to get it out of my brain without, <laughs> without me pointing it at him. <laughs> um, well, I will tell you, I did not grow up on a farm. So everything that I've learned, I've learned from my husband. And, uh, you know, I, we're not equally yoked on knowledge on agriculture. <laughs> so so I really uh, rely on him on a lot yeah. as far as uh, what the farming operation goes on. Mm-hmm. So. Um, let me ask you this. So I noticed that you're a certified woman-owned business. Is that something in your state that you have... Um, a designation for? And if so, why was that important to you to do that? Well, we did it because we felt like some of the, um, number one, I think that in agriculture, women don't get enough recognition. So for that reason, we really love what you're doing. Thank you. (laughs) And watch, watch the TV show every, you know, every week recorded actually. Also, there's some benefits to having a women's zone with some of the brick and mortars and the Kroger's of this world. And so they like to showcase women owned um, on diversity in the companies. So it's a process and it's a good one. And there's a lot of networking and you you know, you meet a lot of really inspiring people in, in the women's own certification. So it's not just a state recognized. It's, it's across the United States. Yeah, we have that too here in Iowa. And, and we actually did a, sh- a radio show uh, not too long ago about that. And it, it's kind of like one of those feathers you can put in your cap, mm-hmm. right? And if it helps, great. Yeah. It's not going to hurt you. So um, these are yeah. the things that I'm always telling people, like, go do this. You know, it's it's not going to hurt a thing. So I love that. Okay, we have more. I have way more questions. I want to I want to talk about this mill that you built. And, you know, as you guys, since the year 2000, have gone about building this uh, 
just amazing um, uh, rice operation and how you have gone about creating this distribution that you have, which is looks to be very broad. So more to come here on Shining Bright. For those of you who are wondering, we are having our 20th and final grow event here in Iowa on November 15th. And this is an event for young women involved or interested in agriculture. Head over to farmher.com to get your tickets. They are going fast and we want to see you there. Stick with us. Hey guys, this is Margie from Farm Her. I want to remind you all that we have some really fun, functional, cute merchandise out on our store at farmher.com. And fall has arrived in the Farm Her market. We've got some new sweatshirts, hoodies, one of my favorite windbreakers out there. So check it out at farmher.com. And while you're there, be sure to use the code SHININGBRIGHT and save 10% just for our listeners. We are back talking with Jennifer, Robin, and Ashley of Ralston Family Farm. And um, this is a woman-owned business. This is a multi-general, multi-general, I'm messing up that word all over the place, multi-generational family farm uh, in Arkansas. And um, when in the first segment, we talked, Robin talked a little bit about, um, you know, all of the family members that have uh, returned to or become a part of the farm. And I'd love to hear uh, maybe from Jennifer first about what brought you back specifically uh, to the farm and maybe how you've found your place there. Yeah. Um, as Robin mentioned before, I went to um, college, graduated, got a design degree, um, and then shortly after got married. And then when I had my son, I was working in sales, he was in daycare, and um, I always appreciated being on the farm, but I didn't really understand the value of it. So I had my son, and um, I just I didn't want to be away from him, and I wanted to kind of grow together as a, a mom and a son and a business. So um, I moved back. I moved back to the farm, and my husband and I have worked on the farm ever since. So it's been about 10 or 12 years now Yeah, we've been here on the farm. I love it. And uh, Ashley, if you want to, do you have any way in there? Um, I think a lot came back and I also don't know <laughs> a specific reason except for it just all lined up. Everything just lined up together. And and this meal is really the only way my gifts make sense on the farm because yeah. I'm not very farm-minded. Yeah. But and I, and it just all worked out. It just, it was all planned and ordered, and, and it's a joy for us to, to serve our family and because we have a bigger cause. So yeah. We can just all take part of a bigger cause. And I think that you just said something interesting. You said, I'm not very farm-minded. I, I, um, we have this discussion a lot, right? Of, of all of you are farm hers in, in my book, right? Absolutely. Like you're all yeah. there. You're engaged yep. in some part of this operation that makes it work every day. Um, but you know, like we hear this a lot and I always like to remind people mm-hmm. that, you know, you are a very important part of, of this operation. I know you, you ladies know that I'm more talking to the audience for right. those of you out there listening. Like these are, these are the stories that we love to share, right? Yep. Because everyone's got, some talent, some skill, some specialty that they can bring to any operation. Okay. So, um, I keep hearing about this mill. Mill. Yeah. (laughs) I'm excited to hear about the mill. I know. I know. So my first, my first thought about this is, uh, you, you guys built a state of the art mill, Robin, if you could tell me, um, when you built it. And I mean, my biggest question is, um, you know, a lot of us, I'm sure, have these opportunities that are floating around out in our universe, right? Whether it's on a farm or um, whether it's in a small business or those things are one and the same. Um, and how you how you like assess that opportunity and like decided that we are going to jump in because yeah. I'm, I'm guessing this was no small investment and no small decision, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was a lot of 
No, yeah, that's right. And jumping in is an appropriate um, visual for what what it seems like we did. My my husband and I, Tim, we had been thinking about building this for about five years prior to the time that we did, just because we wanted to add some value to the rice. Um, agriculture row cropping, as you know, is a tough business, and there's a lot of middlemen, and so you just really have to add value where you can. And then when the um, girls, you know, started coming back, and um, we uh, and my son got our son got married, and so he was starting his family, and they all wanted to be part of the farm somehow, some way. So we just felt like that was a really good time, the opportune time, and we put a lot of prayer into this. And really wanted to see if God wanted us to, you know, to do this, to build this mill. And all the doors started opening. We started actually kind of consulting with the University of Arkansas with the Extension Office. And then they put a panel together with some really intelligent, um, capable people that are in line with being able to give us some good advice. And it just kind of, you know, escalated to that. So in 2016, we decided, yes, this is a viable um opportunity and uh we started breaking ground on the mill and so in 2018 january of 2018 um is when we first started selling and that our first customer was blue apron so we're exclusive uh jasmine providers to for blue apron and uh what we decided to do is we had to really differentiate ourselves from uh some of the bigger mills and we can do that because we only mill what we grow. So we're in control of the farm, from the farming and how we farm all the way down to what we put it in. And we decided that, well, we would grow what we like. So we grow basmati and jasmine, and we're really excited about a scarlet red and an aromatic purple. And then we have a nature's blend that is... Um, we grow it as a uh, blend in the field. We don't fabricate that blend after harvest. And it's uh, the red, the purple, and a, a southern long grain brown. I, I've never... So however, even, it's harvested. Oh, sorry. I, I was going to say, I've never even heard of some of these types mm. of rice, but you're making me want to... Like, I know. I just said before we talked, uh, I love rice. Yeah. So now I'm, I'm going to have to put these all on my list. <laughs> it's time for you to love more kinds yeah. of rice, for sure. Yeah. So this yeah, is interesting. Well, to me, because yeah, as we look yeah. through what you've just said, you wanted to add value. You started consulting right. and talking. Um, you had mm-hmm. to differentiate yourself mm-hmm. and you chose to grow what you like. Right. And when you say it, it sounds so right. fluid to me. Like no. this was just really <laughs> easy. But yeah. I know that it was a process. Yeah. I'm learning this. Yeah. <laughs> years long. Years um, long. So when did you start talking about this mill from the time that you were seriously talking to the time that it opened? I'm just curious how long mm-hmm. that process was. Well, probably in 2015 is when we started talking about it. And um, like I said, uh, 2016 is when we started breaking ground. And um, we we consulted, you know, chefs to see how it would work in that market. And we consulted, um, uh, like I said, the University of Arkansas was a, uh, Dr. Ron Rainey and Phil Sims, our extension agent, um, and several others, they were just instrumental in letting us have the confidence that, yes, mm-hmm. this, you know, we can proceed with this. Yeah. So, yeah, and it is a very, it's a huge investment. Yeah. I mean, it's it's huge because what, what we had to decide was what size meal did we want to, to take on? Did we want to take on a smaller mm-hmm. meal and just let it grow? We have annually between uh, 14 and 15 million pounds of rice. Oh my goodness. With all the varieties that we have. But what we decided to do is build a large enough mill to where we could um, have a capacity to mill about 10,000 pounds. And then if we wanted to add on, there's enough room in the mill that we could add another line on. So our, our investment is large. And for that reason, that's a good motivator, right? That yeah. you, have, <laughs> you have this investment. So you've got to hustle to get that and uh, to get it sold. So we've been very blessed. We've, um, you know, everyone's been really open and receptive on when we go and we meet with the rice buyers and they love our story. We bring the rice. They love the rice. Mm-hmm. And so it's, it's really, 
it's been a it's been a great experience. A lot of hard work. Yeah, a lot of hard work. If we didn't have a, the family, we could not do it. Yeah, it's uh, just that simple. People so. matter, and when they're your family, everyone's willing to work. I think a little bit harder, right, yeah. to make all that dream happen. Yeah. yeah. Um, and you mentioned one key thing that I, I want to point out that we talk about a lot. You said it built your confidence, and mm-hmm. and that is, I think, the super key that that these things don't just happen overnight, but it's a process of talking, putting yourself out there, learning as much as you can, and building your confidence to to jump in. Stick with us here on Shining Bright. We're going to be right back. This is Katie Crow, owner of Uplift Fitness Studio. Uplift Fitness Studio is a boutique fitness studio located right in the heart of Grimes, Iowa in the Governor's District. Uplift offers a variety of group fitness classes such as yoga, cardio, Zumba, bar, and strength classes. All new students can get their first week free with no obligation. At Uplift Fitness, we are passionate about uplifting women in our community to be strong, healthy, and happy. We strive to make a difference in their lives by creating an environment that allows our members to obtain their fitness goals and enjoy their experience in comfort and safety. Visit our website today at www.upliftfitnessstudio.com. Hey everybody, this is Margie Geiler Alanis from Shining Bright by Farm Her. I want to tell you about a friend, a community member, a business owner that we really believe in. Our house was kind of a shell when we bought it and we've been working on updating and changing and adding things on and we found a local contractor that we can trust, that we love the work that they do and that is Remodel Works. Check them out at remodelworksdb.com. They're right here in Central Iowa. You'll love them. We are back with the ladies of the Ralston family farm in Arkansas. And um, this is a really interesting discussion to me um, because, you know, it, it does look on the outside. You guys, you guys have a wonderful brand, um, but, but all of the work and planning and in the process and the steps behind the scenes are a lot, right? But, but if you want to take it to that next level and add that value to your business, I think you guys are a perfect example of that. Um, and so one thing that jumps out at me, um, you mentioned a blue apron in the, um, the last segment of that was the first place that you distributed your, your rice, you're an exclusive, what, what kind of exclusive rice provider were you there? Jasmine rice. Okay. Um, and so obviously, um, you have your product available on your website. But when I look at all of the retailers that you guys have your rice in, I think that's the other piece that that amazes me about your business is you guys in a relatively short amount of time have really built a very broad base of of distribution. And so like, how did you figure that out? How did you learn how to do it? Was it, was it more just putting yourself out there and, and talking or is there a more defined process maybe in the rice industry? Mom and dad, Tim, Tim and Robin, <laughs> my mom and dad, and they um, they just have a gift for for knowing where opportunity is and then just digging in. Um, the Blue Apron was just a year's worth of um, conversation and and negotiation, and it looked like you know there were times when it didn't seem like it was going to go through, and then they would you know work in harder and, and get it going again, and that's how it is with all these supermarkets that they go and they visit and they talk and and they just work until it gets gets done they it's just a gift for business yeah Robin, would you say that there's some tenacity to that because um what what I think I heard you say was that Ashley um yeah yeah okay good guess that yeah yeah I'm, nice yeah you got uh, it. <laughs> um what I what I heard you say is there's some tenacity there, right? Like mm-hmm. these things aren't just going to fall in your lap and maybe someone reaches out and, and you have an initial conversation, but in order to make that happen, you have to stay in front of them, right? Like you have to keep the discussion going. Well, yeah, there's reviews, there's annual reviews. And, and what our process is, is Jennifer um, gets, she finds out who the rice buyer is when the review is. And so she contacts them, asks for a meeting, 
and she puts a deck together. And on the deck, it has um, the pricing and the quantity and everything related to what we want to present on the different rises. And then she schedules a um, an appointment. And then Tim and I go out and we pitch it. Mm-hmm. So you know, nobody nobody is more enthusiastic or sincere in in what it is that they want to sell than those who have every, every aspect of it, grow it and, you know, mill it and package it. And so I, I feel like we're, you know, we're genuine in our enthusiasm and wanting them to see if it's a good fit. And um, so, you know, after that, then they usually when we're sitting there, you know, we work out a deal and uh, it's, it's, it's not a quick process. It, it can take mm-hmm. two to three months and longer sometimes before you, you see it on the store shelf. We uh, we just got on in all the fresh market stores, and so that was a process. And, it um, you know, it's really interesting. All these Ross buyers are, are different, so it's not like there's a status quo on how the meeting's going to go, and you just have to kind of really um, evaluate the situation and, you know, do the best that you can do and, hope that it works out and if it's supposed to it will and if it's not then it won't and um on the packaging we we feel like we have a unique package um my husband and i went to a packaging expo which you know we had never heard of but decided that's where we needed to go (laughs) to see what kind of packaging we wanted to put it in and we what we were initially going to go with is totally different than what we have now we were going to just go with the the uh, filled pouch that basically everybody else goes in. Mm-hmm. And when we came across this milk carton machine, it dawned on us that really that was an idea thing to do with rice because you could close it. You, it was you yeah, you can pour it easy. Yeah, right. So we we actually have two patents on that packaging. Very cool. I think and that, that makes was another sense. process. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, lots so, of, you know, it's, it's, it's I'm oh, sorry. Sorry, I was going to say lots of processes here, right? Lots, lots of steps, lots of moving parts and pieces to make this all come together. Oh, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, getting back to the Blue Apron, um, you know, we're farmers. So we, we've learned a lot on marketing. But one of the things that they insisted that their, their um, vendors have is a third-party certification. So we chose to go with BRC, which is British Retail Consortium, which also allows us to ship worldwide. In fact, we got an email yesterday from um, a doctor, a research doctor with Nestle Foundation on wanting to get some samples of the Scarlet Red for um, a company out in um, Switzerland that they were interested in it. So it's, you know, every day is a new day. It's, (laughs) It's challenging. And sometimes you just want to kind of go, why in the world did I do this? (laughs) (laughs) Most days you realize what a blessing it is and the the people that you come across. One other thing I do want to mention is, you know, as in everything else, you need to get back. So that was one of our key missions in this Mm -hmm. from the beginning that we understood that uh, we needed to give back. And so um, Ashley is in She's over the charitable end of it, and she can speak more to that. Yes, I'd love to hear more about that. Well, um, we donate to Arkansas Food Bank, which is part of Feed America, and um, we've just been blessed to, um, well, I don't know if we're supposed to say like how much we give, but we've done a lot and just been blessed to be able to do that. Um, so... It goes to local food banks and it goes to places all across the state, and um, just, we're just we're proud to to be a part of that. Yeah, <laughs> one of the things um, we we talk about a lot here inside of our walls is you know hunger and hunger in rural America, and I'm sure you guys see that. Uh, in Arkansas, just the yeah. same as we do in Iowa and any other state that anybody's listening from, um, it's it's real and it's out there. So, um, cheers to you guys for growing something that you know is a good product and in, in giving back to um, those people around you because that, that doesn't matter. Why are we doing this if, right. if not for There's that for purpose? Some yeah, good too. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah. Uh, yeah. I think we're just all called to do it. 
Mm-hmm. I can tell that you guys are. I, I actually can just by talking to you on the phone that you are all aligned and excited and running forward yeah. at the same goal. Um, so, you know, that that is that's not even half the battle. That's like 95% of the large piece of it. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Right. And all the other pieces can fall into place if, Mm -hmm. if you all are a team and working together. Um, on that note, I want to remind you all about our upcoming grow event that we have got going on. So we have shifted our focus a little bit and, and you're going to be hearing and seeing even more from farm her as we move forward. Um, you know, through the radio podcast, TV, uh, digital video, all those things. Um, but we are hosting our 20th and final grow event. Yes. Uh, it's been a good run and it's it's time to hang the hat up on those for the Farm Her team. And so that's going to be November 15th. You can check out tickets. Anybody's welcome. It's in Iowa, but anybody can come from anybody anywhere. If you come. ladies yes. want to join us from Arkansas, yeah. uh, you're on it. You're, you're yeah. welcome to come. Um, <laughs> but again, farmher.com is our website for that. Okay, ladies, tell us where people can hear more about you or find your product. Okay. Thanks, Margie. You can find more information about our sustainable practices and where you can find the rice closest to you at www.rostonfamilyfarms.com. And when we come back here in the wrap up, I am uh, we're going to talk a little bit more about challenges. They pop up every day and how you navigate around those. So stick with us here on Shiny Brain. Hi, this is Margie Geiler-Alanese. Next week on Shining Bright, we're digging into women and finances. We'll be talking to a financial expert and author, Joey Beach, who has navigated a career in the financial industry and most recently wrote A Girl's Guide to Personal Finance. So don't miss this inspiring story. You are going to learn a little bit about finance on Shining Bright by Farmher. We are wrapping it up here on Shining Bright. So in this final stretch, I want to talk about challenges. We all have them every day. Mm-hmm. I'm positive. If, if you're listening and you think you don't, then I am. I would love to meet you. Yes. Because and that, that's pick just, your brain. <laughs> how can I repeat what you have? Yeah. Uh, so this is, uh, you know, trying to find uh, things to talk to my 10 year old daughter mm-hmm. about when she like, I, I have to like pull it out of her. And last night we were laying there in her bed and I said, what are, what's one challenging thing that happened to you today? And how did you like get, get through, through it? it? Yeah. And I said, I'll start. And then three challenging things later, I was like, were you still talking? I was, and I was, <laughs> she, she was listening, but I was like, you know, it, it's, it's evident that no day in, in any business or any life or any, right. any, like we are humans is without its challenges. Right. Mm-hmm. And some of them are little, some of them are really big. So I would love to hear your perspective ladies on, um, cause I have no doubt that, that as you were considering building this mill, as you were building this mill, um, as you're trying to expand your distribution to, to pay for this mill, <laughs> right. Um, uh-huh. Right. There are challenges and there sometimes people say, no, thank you. Right. Or, or maybe they say whatever it is. Um, but how do you navigate around those challenges? Well, you know, we are, we rely on, on God. <laughs> so our, our first and foremost thing we do is go in prayer and ask for direction. But, you know, our biggest challenge this year um, was in May, we had the historical flooding. And where our farm is, is on the Arkansas River. Mm-hmm. And so we have the levee system that wraps around. But we realized, and my son and uh, husband would go and ride those levees on the four-wheeler for bridges every day. And this wasn't an overnight thing. This was a, a two- to three-week event. And they found uh, a really big soft spot that, you know, could break away, and if that were to happen, it would have gotten our entire farm, including the mill. And where we're at, it's not in a flood zone. You don't have to have flood insurance. Yeah. So this wasn't a 100-year historical flood. It was a 500-year historical uh, flood. Yeah. So, um, you know, we were uh, very blessed. The governor sent out two um, helicopters and 
uh, Black Hawk helicopters, and we had the community rallied. And, and it wasn't just for us, mind you, but there's other farmers down here, and there's people that live down here. Mm-hmm. So it, it wasn't just, just for us by any stretch of the imagination. But so people from the community came out, and we were filling super bags, and the um, helicopters were taking them off. And so that was probably the most challenging event because that's out of your hands. Yeah. yeah. You know, there's that's, that's nothing you can control hands. really. It can wipe it all yes. out. No. All of yep. it. <laughs> yeah, no, absolutely. In, in a, in a blink of an eye, it can do that. So, uh, that's where you just dig in and you just do what has to be done. And you don't think about, you know, you can't sit there and obsess over the what ifs. Yeah. You just see what's in front of you and you dig in and you get, you, you do, do the you best can. that you can. Yep. That's right. Most things that, that we realize on challenges is you're not a one-man band and that it takes a community, even if that community is your tribe, your family, and you, you know, you work these things out. So we have challenges that can even occur on paperwork, you know. I mean, your mm-hmm. challenge is a challenge. and Some are bigger than others, but that's what you do. You just muddle through, you handle it, and, mm-hmm. and you move on. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think... I think that's the thing, right? Like, and that's what I was trying to impress upon my daughter is like, this happens. And, you know, none of these are big enough to stop you. Right. Right. It's not like you're going to shut the doors because something scary happened. Exactly. Um, And and as we've talked over the last few conversations we've had, it's things like that, that build your confidence and your tenacity. And now you have a plan keeping, keep you moving forward. Yeah. 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 Now, now you have a better plan for if something like that were to happen and I hope it never does. Um, Yeah. 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 So (laughs) I don't think we, yeah, (laughs) there's the positive, right? Cause that's the other thing I was telling her, like talk about the challenge, talk about how you got around it, but, but what's something positive that came out of that? There's got to be something. It It may not be like the biggest, shiniest positive, (laughs) but but there's, there's something. So Ladies, this has been a great yeah. conversation. I really, really appreciate you sharing about your operation, about the, all of the different varieties of rice that you grow in Arkansas, how you've built um, a really cool business. So yeah, thank you. Yeah, thanks for, for joining I took us. lots of good notes thanks on this one. Yeah. yeah, yeah. You kind of, you gave me the inspiration uh-huh. I needed this morning. I Absolutely. Was, I was 100%. faltering a little bit before this conversation yep. and now I'm ready to take on the world again. So yep. um, oh, yeah. Thank you very Uh, much. Yes. Take care. Thank you. We appreciate the opportunity. You too. Bye-bye. Bye. You've been listening to Shining Bright by Farmhood. Be sure to listen Saturdays at noon and Sundays at 1 p.m. Eastern on Sirius XM's Rural Radio 147 and the Sirius XM app. And now, go shine bright.